Hello. Thank you. I'm on now. Okay, thank you. And I'm excited to be with you. Let's, uh, let's pray together, shall we? Lord, thank you this morning for this time that I get to share with these folks. Use frail people, frail servants, people that stumble, people that fall. That's the only kind you have. Lord, I'm a fallen man speaking to people who've fallen. We've all sinned, but we've received your forgiveness, your grace. Draw us to yourself, blessed Holy Spirit. Gather us together this morning to hear what you have for us. We've come from all kinds of places, Lord. Speak to us, each one of us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Well, I'm, I'm, uh, I am glad to be here with you. You folks support us as a church in our ministry with the Navigators, and I am officially a pastor to pastors, and I love that. I work with about a dozen churches in the area right now. I have a pastor's group in Staten, five guys, see, 27 years old, couple of them about mid-30s, one late 30, and one about 40. Have a great time with them. My last or second to last session with them, I said, guys, so let's share with each other one personal need you have, one family need you have, and one ministry need that you have. They went deep quick. And they said, is this a safe place? Two or three times I came up, is this a safe place? So six of us were sitting there sharing with each other. And then I said at the end of that, they shared for about an hour. And I said, so do you want me to share some things uh, to encourage you in your ministries or you want to pray? And they said, we think we need to pray. So we prayed for about a half an hour. And so about an hour and a half, they spent getting to know each other. We, we meet together uh, once a month. When I left, there were five pastors in the living room talking to each other. And one of them, um, a 27-year-old, his wife was induced. Uh, well, not induced, but she's going to have a C-section this morning at 9.30. So I've been praying for him. That's just one of the groups. But such a joy, such a joy. But beyond that, I work with people. Yes, they're pastors, but I work with people, trying to encourage them in their personal lives, encourage them in their ministry. You understand the need for encouragement. So I have a guy this morning who's with you. Come on up here, Gino. And he's one of your uh, attenders and participant and servant here. And he and I have spent a number of uh, years together, 13, 14 years, I think we've known each other. So I just want him to share a, a clip of the time that we've spent together. This is not to glorify the worm. This is not to glorify me, but it's to give credit to God and to show you the value of spending time together. So share something with us, Gino. Thank you for, for having me. Yeah, Denny uh, approached me early on and said, I'd like you to share a little bit uh, the, what our relationship has done for you and for the two of us. I've shared with many of you my background, and so I won't get into that a lot, but I was raised in a, a religious uh, church for my whole life, didn't know God. I'm about 13 years old now, I believe, and I was thinking about, I was out for a run and thinking, God, what would you want me to, to say to these people? And, and what came to mind was the, the parable of the seed, and... Um, I started thinking, having Denny, he's, he's just been a, been a blessing to me. And like the commercial where, where they say, you know, what's the value of something priceless? Um, that's, that's the way I refer to Denny. And he's been a dear, close friend. And so I was thinking, as it's kind of sad to think that a lot of new Christians somehow don't make it. They maybe even give their lives to the Lord, but just drift off. 
And like with the parable of the seed, I think uh, if there was just somebody to, to shush off the birds that want to take the seed and, and steal it, or um, transplant this young Christian from the rocky soil to fertile soil, or when it's getting scorching hot, somebody to give you a, a drink of refreshing water. And um, I think about, like in AA, they have the um, sponsors, and Denny has been like a spiritual advisor to me for all these years, and for 24-7, if I have a problem, uh, where I'm starting to, to doubt, and uh, I've got Denny that I can talk to. Can we go have coffee or whatever? And I get to ask him questions, like, for example, many years ago, one thing that stuck with me, he, I said, why do people need to go to church? I hear stories that people can worship in their gardens or in their shop, talk to God. And the little story he told me was like, you think about an army, a squadron, they're under fire. And we are constantly under fire. And one of you decides to just go out on his own. Well, you're just, you know, you're just putting a target on your back. And so um, I think what Denny has wanted me to promote is that you need somebody alongside of you. This goes for males and females. And um, to have that friendship, to have that encouragement, and especially somebody with the, with the, the, the rooted faith like him. And it works both ways where I've helped him a few times where he's um, had his moments where he was down. And so uh, he even gave me the courage to, to go on mission trips to China, which I thought, no, that's not me. That's other people that do that. And it reminded me of a of just kind of a funny story. I think it's funny. I don't think he did. But we were in a, a 13th floor hotel in China. And we were going down to meet with the group. And I put my hand on the bar behind me in the elevator. And I noticed it was loose. And so as, as the elevator started to go down, I started shaking it really slowly. And then I just went profusely, just as loud as I could. And then he turned just white and he said, Good Lord, brother, are we going to make it? <laughs> if that wasn't bad enough, I, I did it a second time, and I didn't tell him until we were back in the States that it was me doing that. <laughs> so, so we've had a lot of fun together, and I just, just highly encourage um, that you have somebody come alongside you like, like Denny did for me. And, and Scott has actually done the same thing where he's um, done Bible studies with me and um, now it's my turn, and I need to, to focus on other, other people. I, I like to consider myself an evangelist, and I like to, to speak with people. And um, Hopefully I won't get a rascal like me that Denny did. Thank you. Bring that water. Bring the water. Now, do you think it was a labor for me to spend time with this man? It was a joy. I learned as much or more probably than he did. Don't miss that opportunity to invest in another life. You see the face of God clearest in the, on earth in the life of another person. Clearer than anywhere else is a transformed life. You will never see a clearer picture of God than in a transformed life of a person. Go look at the mountains, the beauty, all kinds of things. 
The clearest picture of God is in the life of a person who's been changed. Well, I want to talk to you this morning about how to experience God. And if you pull your insert out of the bulletin, you'll see that I have eight points, and I fill the points in. Now, Scott usually fills them in as we go, but I'm doing this because I don't know if I'll get through all the points, and I want you to have the points filled out with you and uh, just follow along with me. And so you won't have to take as many notes. You can listen, take some notes if you want to, but let me just suggest something to you. You're in a season of your life right now. It may be winter. It's dark. It's dank. It's cold. God is there. You're sure he's there because he says he's there in his word, but you don't feel him. Are you in winter? You may be in spring. It's a, it's a cheery time for you. New things are happening. Great things are happening. Spring is fun. It's a fun time in our spiritual lives. You may be in summer where things are just kind of rolling along and no great crisis, but things are moving on. Or you may be in the fall of your spiritual life. The days are getting shorter. It's getting darker quicker. You anticipate problems ahead. You're not looking forward to winter. You're in a season of your life right now. You're in one of those seasons. Now, that season may be short. That season may be longer. But I'd like you to think about that for a moment. What season of your life are you in? No matter what season you're in, it's time to experience more of God. He has more for you in the winter of your life, the spring of your life, the summer of your life, the fall of your life. And he's with you. He longs to reveal himself to you. My message is how to experience God. I do not speak as a finished product. I'm a learner. I'm on a journey, just like you are. What provoked my thinking on this is that I have to regularly ask God to help me experience him because I get in the routine of life and we're going through our lives and, and, and God's back there somewhere. He's with me, but it seems like he's back there and I'm going through things and I start thinking about that. So I have to ask God to help me to stop, slow down and experience him. And I have some some uh, disciplines that I go through to help me with that. But also, one of the things that provoked me on this was I have a high school boy who's helped me with some landscaping. And I, he's at North Albany Church. Used to be, I used to be his pastor. So I asked this kid, what are you doing in the youth group these days? And he says, um, so he says, our pastor asks us each Sunday, how did you experience God this last week? You know who I'm talking about, Joel. Pastor asks that. How did you experience God? Oh, I love that question. I says, I'm all in, man. I'm all, your pastor's asking you that? He says, yeah. And then he says, he asks us, what's a verse that you've read that spoke to you, that God spoke to you out of that verse? I go, wow, that's a rousing youth group. I love that. I love that. So a couple other things, too. The, the hunger I see in God's people. I see a growing hunger in God's people to experience him. Can you relate to that? You just want to experience him. You want to know him. You want to love him. You want him to overflow in your life. You want rivers of living water like Jesus promised flowing out of your life. So in my outline, I've got several things I'd like to go through with you. And this is a sermon, but I'd like you to kind of look at this as a talk. And if you will, I'd like you to join me. We're going to gather around the campfire here this morning, symbolically. Let's just gather around the campfire together, and we're going to talk with each other. I'm going to be doing most of the talking. You're going to be listening, but, but that's okay. So as we think about this, the first point, how to experience God, is listen to him nudging you, drawing you to himself 
in your surroundings. It may be external. It may be something that's happening in your heart. But he is seeking you out all the time. God is seeking you out. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ, he is with you. He is seeking to draw you to himself. But a lot of times we miss it. We miss it. Maybe it's a new baby. And you're just reminded, wow, I mean, this is an amazing system. This little creature has nine, nine systems that have to work and have to work together for him or her to be a normal person. They're, they're incredibly complex. Maybe it's a crisis in your life. Maybe your business is failing. Your business is succeeding. Maybe you're in over your head. Maybe something's keeping you up at night. Beloved, God wants to speak to you in those times. Don't miss it. As I came in here this morning, I prayed several times, Lord, don't let me miss you in this service. As I'm speaking, Lord, I want to experience you. I want to experience you as I help these people to experience you. You understand what I'm saying? Listen to God. He's trying to draw you to himself. Don't miss him. Don't miss him. Listen to the scripture in 1 Samuel regarding uh, Samuel. That the Lord, the Lord called Samuel and he said, here am I. Then he, read, then he ran to Eli. Samuel's a little boy here. He ran to Eli, the prophet, much older man, said, Here am I, for you called me. But he said, I did not call. Lie down again. So they went and lay down, and the Lord called yet again, Samuel. So Samuel arose and went to Eli and said, Here am I, for you called me. But he answered, I did not call you, my son. Lie down again. Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord, nor had the word of the Lord yet been revealed to him. Samuel's a little boy. He's new. He's training to be a prophet. God is speaking to him, but he didn't recognize it. Could that be possible in your life? God is speaking to you, but you haven't slowed down. I'm not scolding you. I'm just saying, slow down. I'm encouraging you. Slow down. Listen to him. He's trying to speak to you. You, God Almighty, is trying to speak to you. He wants to commune with you. He wants to be your friend. Samuel didn't recognize. So, so Eli, the prophet, recognized what was going on. So he said, next time that this voice comes to you and says, Samuel... Say, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. He did that, and God spoke to Samuel. My point is, he did not recognize that God was speaking to him. I was in a number of different car accidents when I was a teenager, none seriously, fortunately. But as I look back, I begin to put those together, and I realize God was trying to get my attention. God was trying to speak to me. I plugged my ears. I didn't want to hear from him, but he was trying to listen to me or speak to me. And he finally got my attention in a farm machinery accident when a combine fell on me and almost killed me. And I ended up in the hospital. And then I realized, okay, Lord, and I, to be honest with you, I'm not sure God wanted a combine to fall on me, but I wouldn't listen otherwise. He was trying to get my attention. Listen as God wants to draw you into a love relationship. I would encourage you, Maybe around your table tonight, uh, today, you and your wife, you and your kids, somebody, why don't you talk about, uh, in, your, in your, your home group, when did you first sense God speaking to you in your life? When do you think, looking back now, he was speaking, but you weren't listening? What a fun discussion to have. Also, you could enter into a discussion with other people. I love listening to people's stories. Don't talk so much. Listen to people's stories. It's a lot of fun. Just listen to them. Enjoy people. Enjoy listening to them. They'll tell you their story, and you'll hear God in their story, whether they've heard it or not. And you hear God in their story. Maybe it's an accident, a crisis. Maybe suggest to him, you know what? I think I just heard God in your story. Do you recognize that? Would you like to talk about that? 
Look for those opportunities with people to help them see God is speaking to them. Point number two, God has to deal with the problem of sin to draw us into a relationship with himself. He has done that in his son. Repent and trust his work in you and for you. We think that sin is killing, overt acts, uh, adultery, murdering, um, stealing, lying. Those are sins that come because of a basic sin. And it's the sin of putting self first, not believing in the Lord. Sin is spelled, as you know, S-I-N. The essence of sin revolves around the middle letter, I. Sin is all about me. It's just about putting myself first. We've all done it. We've all done it. We do it on a repeated basis. So we need to give that sin to God. Let him take that away from us. That sin causes so many sins in our lives. It's a sin of pride. It's a sin of pride. And God has to deal with that because that has broken our relationship with him. He's holy. He wants to draw us into a relationship. He can't just say, waltz into my presence. You're dirty. You're sinful. That doesn't matter. Yes, it does. Jesus Christ is the holy sacrifice of God. God gave his son to die on the cross for us. God the Father said, I will put your sin on my son on the cross. The wages of sin is death. That's the way it is. Somebody has to die for our sins. God said, my son can die for your sins in your place. If you will take him into your life, I will forgive you. He paid the sacrifice that you deserve to pay. But it's an invitation. He died on the cross for us. He lives today. He's alive today. It's an invitation to invite him into our life. He won't kick the door down. He won't force his way into your life. He's truly a gentleman. He will not do that. He will respect your free will. He will wait for an invitation for you to invite him into your life. Maybe there's somebody here this morning that hasn't done that. You're here because you're searching for God. You, you think. You're not sure why you're here. But I can tell you, you're searching for him. He wants to come into your life with your own free will. Will you acknowledge that he died for you on the sins, or, excuse me, on the cross for your sins? He wants to come into your life. Can I just pray with you right now? Would you bow your heads and let's just pray. Maybe there's someone here, some ones, and you know about God, but you don't know him. You say, Lord, it's time for me to do business with you. I need you in my life. You won't, you won't kick the door down, but Lord, you said you'd come in if I'd ask you. As many as received him, Jesus, to them he gave the right to become the children of God. Lord, Thank you that you died on the cross for my sins, the death that I deserve to die. I don't understand it, but I accept it by faith. Thank you, Lord. Weak though my faith is, I believe it. I trust you. Lord, I want you to live in my life. Would you come into my life, Lord? I invite you into my life. Lord, I want, to, I want you to be my friend. I want to be your friend. Talk to me, Jesus. Help me live my life in a manner that would please you. Thank you. In your name, amen. Amen. You could talk to somebody about that further. There's much, much more to learn. You ended a journey. You just really just start, started a journey. But that separation from God is something that has to be taken care of. Let's go to point number three. God gave his best for us. He wants us to be and give our best in pursuit of him. God gave his best for us. The point that I just made, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. He gave the best that heaven has for us. He wants us to give our best to him. All that we are, all that we have. 
David in Psalm chapter 27 says, One thing I have asked from the Lord, that shall I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to behold the beauty of the Lord and to meditate in his temple. He said, I want to know God. I want to behold his beauty. I want to meditate on him in his temple. But notice he says, one thing have I asked of the Lord, that I shall seek. Now we go to the New Testament, Philippians chapter 3, the Apostle Paul says a similar thing. Not that I've already obtained it. It means a, a full, uh, completed relationship with God or have already become perfect. But I press on so that I may lay hold of that for which also I was laid hold of by Christ Jesus. Brethren, I do not regard myself as having laid hold of it yet, but one thing I do, there it is again, one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind, reaching forward to what lies ahead. David, the Apostle Paul, numerous others have figured out that the simplest thing in life is to seek one thing, one thing, God. Seek God. When you get God, you get all the fullness of life. He'll give you the right kind of people, the right direction for life, all kinds of things. Not God and. There's a good little book called The Pursuit of God. I would recommend it to you. It's not a new book by A.W. Tozer. It's a great book. This will feed and challenge your soul, The Pursuit of God. And uh, he talks in there about not seeking God and, just seeking God. These two men said, one thing if I ask of the Lord. Now notice David, one thing if I ask of the Lord, that shall I seek. Now, in those words, there's both desire and discipline. To get to know God, we need desire. We need desire. Where does desire come from? It comes from him. It comes from him. He's the, Jesus the author and finisher of our faith. He's the initiator of our faith. He puts faith in us to even believe in him. If your desire has waned, it's just not there, ask him to renew your desire. Ask him to put a great desire in you to know him. He'll do that. And secondly, David says, one thing I desire of the Lord, that I shall seek. There's discipline. So when we ask God to put a desire in our heart, we don't just sit around and say, what's next, Lord? He says, read your Bible, pray, get with people who know God, get with the teachers in your outlines, an outline of the teachers to help us to know God, the Word of God, the Holy Spirit, the people of God. Get with those three and they will help you to know God. Desire and discipline are both necessary. If you have discipline without desire, you'll run aground. You won't stick with it very long. If you have desire and no discipline, you won't grow very much. Desire and discipline are both necessary. Jesus says, whoever saves his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospels will save it. If I hold on to my life, I'm going to lose it. But if I give my life to him, for, to Jesus and for the sake of the gospel... I will find him and I will find my life. Give him your best. Give him your best if you want to experience him. Don't hold back. Give him everything you are, everything you have been or haven't been, everything that you want to be. Have some talks with him. Invite him to be fully a part of your life. Give him the best that you have. Let's go on, number four. Knowing God is both an event and a process. Think about that one. Knowing God is both an event and a process. We normally see and hear God in crisis and big situations. We tend to think, God, I will encounter God when something in my life happens. He gives me a job. He gives me a relationship. He gives us a baby. Things straighten out for us, whatever it may be. That's true. You can experience God right then. Those are events in your life, but God wants you to, to know him in a process also. Years ago, I was counseling with a family, the husband, 
husband and wife, and, and I don't think the kids came. They came once, but there's, they just have lots of problems. And so we talked about that, and he would come from time to time to see me. Every time he comes to see me, he's in a crisis. I said to him, my friend, one of those occasions, maybe it was the last one I saw him, I'm not sure. I said, I'm going to pray for a continual crisis in your life. I was kidding him, but I was kind of half serious. I said, because that's when you come to see me, when you have crisis in your life. Not you have to come see me, but to get with the Lord. It takes crisis for God to get your attention. Don't live like that. Don't live like that. If the only way God can get your attention is in a crisis, he'll do that. You'll be in a lot of crisis. He don't want you to live there. Life, knowing God, is an event. Not always a crisis, but listen to the scripture regarding Moses. I'm going to read, starting in verse 1. You don't have quite those many verses there, but just please follow along. Now, Moses was pastoring the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian, and led the flock to the west side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. The angel, so he's, he's, just, he's just shepherding his sheep. He's a shepherd. He's out taking care of sheep. The angel of the Lord appeared to him. The angel of the Lord came to him in a blazing fire in the midst of a bush. And he looked, and behold, the bush was burning with fire, yet the bush was not consumed. So Moses said, I must turn aside and see this marvelous sight, why the bush is not burned up. When the Lord saw that he turned aside to look, God called to him from the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses. And he said, here am I. And he said, do not come near here. Remove your sandals from your feet, for the place in which you are standing is holy ground. And he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look at God. Here's a man who was just shepherding his sheep. And God appeared to him. Kind of sound familiar to your life and mine? Knowing God is an event and a process. You're living your life. You're going to school. You're doing your job. And God speaks to you. There's an event in your life. Maybe a big event, maybe not. This was a big event for Moses. This is the first time he met God. This is where you would say he was converted to become a follower of God. The angel appeared to him. There's always a first time to meet God. And just as I prayed with you a few moments ago, maybe there's someone in here, it was your first time to meet God. But there will be many events in your life where you will meet God. You will hear from God. Don't just live from event to event. Knowing God is a process. It's in the mundaneness of your life. Day after day, you go to your job. Live in expectation of God speaking to you. As I came in here this morning, I prayed several times for you, and I prayed for myself that I would experience God. I want to experience God when I'm working in my yard. I want to experience God in relationship with people. I love to listen to people's stories because Almost without a question, I experienced God in listening to what he's doing in their life. That's so exciting to be a part of the process as well as the event. Am I connecting with you? You understand what I'm saying? Guys, this is important. This is important. <clears throat> Faith and obedience are mandatory to experience his fullness. John 14, 21. He who has my commandments and keeps them is the one who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father. And I will love him and disclose myself to him. Catch that last phrase. I will love him and disclose myself to that man, to that woman. 
Who is that man? Who is that woman? Look at the verse again. He who has my commandments and keeps them. Let me rewrite that verse if I could. He who has my commandments is the one who loves me. Not right, is it? It's he who has my commandments and keeps them and keeps them. It's very important that we do what the Lord's telling us to do. He who has my commandments and keeps them is the one who loves me. And that is the person to whom Jesus said he would reveal himself. What's it like when the Lord reveals himself to us? Well, it's exciting. In my life, sometimes he'll give me a rebuke, a reproof, if you will, for sin. He'll say, you know what? You uh, offended your wife, and she's upset with you. And I'll say, Lord, but she's 99% wrong. It really was her fault. And he says, I want to talk to you about the 1%. I cannot get him to talk to my wife. He said, I'll talk to you. And sometimes it's just an encouragement. He says, Denny, you got your eye on something. Go for it. Take the risk. Go for it. It's just exciting to see the Lord speak to you, to see the Lord speak to you. Walk by faith. Hebrews eleven six. Without faith, it's impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who seek him. Is this what it says? Without faith, it's hard to please him. It's not right, is it? It's impossible. It's impossible to please God unless you walk by faith. It's impossible. And what happens is as people, we're given to distractions. We start out well, but we're given to distraction. And we're also given to, to relying upon ourselves. So we start the journey well, but then we fall back in doing it ourselves, and we miss God. He says, hey, I'm out here. I want to be a part of your life. I want to be a part of what's going on. Trust God each and every step of the way. That takes time to trust God because you have to think about it. You have to talk to him about it. That's prayer. What is prayer but asking God to be a part of your life? When you pray for your marriage relationship, what are you saying? You're saying, Lord, I'm inviting you to be a part of our marriage. When you pray about your finances, what are you saying? You're inviting God to be a part of your finances. When you pray for whatever it is, a new job, whatever it is, a new location, you're asking God to be a part of that. Take time, slow down, talk to him. Talk to him about that. He wants to talk to you. That's faith, is trusting God. Our prayer life tells us how much faith we have. If we're not praying, we're really not trusting God very much. We're not trusting God very much. Number six, the more we open our heart and the truth about us with him, the more he will share himself with us. Amazing. Have you noticed that? That as you open your heart, you take time to get down to the real you. Sometimes we don't even know who that is. We take time to pray. We take time to talk to God. We say, Lord, I've talked to you about this now. Now, Lord, I don't know if I'm at the bottom of this or not. I've had situations in my life that it, it, it's taken me a long time to get to the bottom of it. But I, I remember some situations where I was fighting some real bitterness. And I talked to the Lord, and I probably walked over a period of five days, 25 miles. I, talked, I walked about five miles a day just talking to the Lord, talking to the Lord. I was, uh, I was up in Idaho once, and I was preparing to do a wedding. But I couldn't concentrate on the wedding because God wanted to talk to me about something else. He really bothered me. And so I'm walking down this road in March up there, still cold. But I had to talk to God about that. But I'm so glad I did. I don't remember the details of the conversation, but I remember the road. I remember walking it. I remember spending time with God. He took a burden off my shoulders when I spent that time talking to him. I, could have, I, I had that burden when I went to Idaho. I had that burden when I came back. Take time to talk to him. Share what's on your heart. 
Share what's really on your heart. I've got a verse there. Trust in him at all times, O people. Pour out your heart before him. God is a refuge for us. Trust in him at all times, O people. Pour out your heart for him. Have you noticed that your best friends are the people that you share the most with? And your best friends are the things that you share the deepest with? You notice that? They're not, that's almost the definition of a best friend, isn't it? It's somebody that you're open with, you can share anything with. Gino and I have shared so many things together and had so much fun together. We've been to China twice on mission trips, and, and he's just a great friend. I've got other great friends too, but he's one of them. It's so much fun to talk to a good friend. Let God be your best friend. That takes time to develop that relationship. You'll never get to be best friends unless you spend time with him. Now, if you run out of things to talk to him about, let me encourage you, open your Bible to the book of Psalms and just walk on your knees, however you do it, but just start reading the Psalms, read a verse or two, and talk to God. You will never run out of things to talk to God about through the Psalms. I've prayed through all 150 chapters of the Psalms in my life. I'm not boasting, just saying I needed to talk to God about a lot of things. So I used the, the Message Bible, but I would read through it, and I would walk, and I would pray, take a chapter or two each time, talk to God. Oh, such intimate, good times talking to God. Open your heart. Open your heart. Share with him. Let him be your best friend. Best friends share the most things. Best friends share the deepest things. Number seven, let nothing come between you and the Savior. Watch out for sidetracks, counterfeits, counterfeits, and things that will make you drift apart. Hebrews chapter 12 says, therefore, since we have so great a cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let us lay aside every encumbrance and the sin which so easily entangles us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and was set down at the right hand of the throne of God. Notice it says, back in the second line there, let us lay aside every encumbrance and the sin which so easily entangles us. Are you familiar with your sin that wants to keep coming back? It wants to keep coming back. You fight it in your life more than anything else. Maybe it's a number of sins. Maybe it's pride. Maybe it's lust. Maybe it's stealing. Maybe it's lying. It's, notice the Bible says, let us lay aside the sin which so easily entangles us. A lot of sins will entangle us. Be familiar with the things that will really trip you up. The devil is very familiar with it. What will trip you up? And you know, use it again and again in your life. Watch out for counterfeits, false securities. When I was a young man, one of the false securities that we guys had, college students, was the girls. You know, it's just, I mean, I mean, she's so sweet. She's so nice. I could get to know her. But she's not God's will, but she's still nice. <laughs> and for girls, I think it's the same thing. Now, many of you are not there right now. We used to say when we were Young single guys and navigators being disciples. Watch out for cars, cash, and cuties. They will trip you up every time. But there's other things. But beware of the sin that will pull you aside. We are given to distraction, beloved. We're all given to distraction. We're easily led astray. We're easily led astray. There's a Chinese proverb that says, the longest journey begins with the first step. The devil wants you to take the first step away from God. When you've taken the first step away from God, he then wants you to take the second step away from God. 
When you've taken the second, he wants you to take the third. And so it's just a little bit off. But if you aren't careful, you end up clear over here and you say, how did I get over here? Man, I am so totally out of it. I've made huge mistakes in my life. I didn't check this. I didn't check those things. Internally, whatever it may be, a bad attitude, something like that, confess it. Confess it to God. Come back to him. If you need help, get help. If you need accountability, get accountability. But we're given to distraction. All of us are. And it's easy to wander away from the Lord. And as one great Bible teacher said, excuse me, most failures in the Christian life are not blowouts, they're slow leaks. Most failures in the Christian life are not blowouts or slow leaks, like the tire. Ever so slowly, it goes down. And before you know it, you got a flat tire. Come back to God when that happens. Number eight, to experience God, we must fully join him in bringing others to Christ and discipling them. Listen to the Great Commission. And Jesus came up and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I command you, and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Now, I want to catch your attention, particularly on that last phrase. I am with you always, even to the end of the age. When you get involved with people, you get involved in bringing people to Christ, you get involved in discipling people, you are walking in partnership with God. You will see what God can do in people's lives. When you're uninvolved with people, you'll miss a significant segment of God in your life because he's all about people. He's all about relationships. He's all about bringing people to faith in Jesus and discipling people. When you get involved in that, you join him in that, you will see God work in an amazing way. As I said earlier, when you're working with people and discipling people, you will see the face of God in an amazing way. In an amazing way. Just this last week, actually a week before last, Gino, who came up here and spoke, was in my house, and I was getting his advice on doing a little project. He's a, he's a good landscaper. And so the FedEx man drives up, and uh, he had been to Gino's house a week or two before that, and I recognized him, and Gino had talked to him about the Lord, and he's going through some struggles in his life. And, and he, so here, in that moment, Here's Gino at my house, and here I'm talking to my wife out there in the front driveway, and this guy comes up, and he recognized Gino, and, and he says, I need to talk to you. He had a need in his life, and he'd been wanting to talk to you. The Holy Spirit put us together that day. So we encouraged him. The three of us gathered around him, and we prayed for him. That was a God moment because we were wanting to share. We were ready to share. Earlier that day, I had a Chinese guy that came by my place with college pro painters. And I wanted to get an estimate. He just happened to be the guy that came by. And so we're talking, and I've been to China and, and asking his background and so on. So we're kind of relating to each other. Talk to him about a relationship with God. And he says, well, my parents are Buddhists and so on and so forth. But he just locked on when I'm talking to him. I says, Jesus is not a religion. Jesus is a person. Jesus invites you to a relationship with himself. I could just see the wheels turning. He's listening, so on and so forth. Anyway, we had a good time sharing. I happen to have a, a, a video on the life of Jesus in Chinese. Just happened to have. The Lord had me order it before that. I handed it to him. Okay, what am I saying? What I'm saying is when you're involved with God in reaching people, you will see him manifest himself in an unbelievable way. That day, I just had goosebumps. It was about God speaking to someone's life. Jesus said, I'm with you. I'm with you when you make disciples. Is this exciting, guys? Is this exciting? How to experience God. He wants you to experience him. If you are finding that you are in the winter of your life, and 
I can't remove that season from you, but in the winter of life, your life, God wants you to experience him in a new way. Right in the winter. If you're in the spring of life, Chris, you guys can come on up here. If you're in the spring of your life, God wants you to experience him in a new way. If you're in the summer of your life, God wants you to experience him. If you're in the fall of your life, God wants you to experience him. Don't wait. Don't think you've got to go somewhere else. You've got to be a different person. Right now, where you are, God wants you to experience him. Amen? He really does. Put your ears on. Put your ears on. Sometimes we say, Lord, I can't hear you. Turn the volume up. And he says, no, put your ears on. Listen harder. Thank you for your time.